is not only about um, uh, uh, reducing our emissions. Uh, and, and, and I don't think it's sustainable to ask that these sacrifices will be maintained forever. So fusion can be the solution that can allow us to move away from this sacrifice, could be the sustainable solution for the future. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Produced by Soapbox Media. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. In this episode, I'm continuing my exploration of the state of nuclear fusion research. I'll be interviewing a leader in the MAST fusion experiment. MAST is an acronym for Mega Ampere Spherical Tokamak. A tokamak is a device that typically uses extremely strong magnetic fields to confine an energetic plasma and ram hydrogen nuclei together at high energies, essentially trying to replicate the processes occurring at the core of the sun to create fusion energy here on Earth. This process takes tremendous energy inputs and has been explored in the lab for decades without successfully transitioning to commercial power. Experiments are getting larger and larger and more expensive, and researchers have been making incremental progress towards the goal of break-even. Join me as I explore the high-pressure science of fusion energy. If you like what you're hearing, please press like on your podcast app, send me a comment, share it with your friends. Love to hear from you. Fulvio Militello is a fusion scientist with 20 years of experience. Following a career as a theoretical plasma physicist and science manager, he is currently the director of Tokamak Science and MAST-U at United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority. Before joining UKAEA, he worked in Italy, France, and United States in national laboratories and universities, authoring a hundred scientific papers. Fulvio is also an adjunct professor of physics at the Chalmers University of Sweden and visiting reader at the Imperial College of London. While his heart is still in Italy, he lives in Didcot, UK, with his Swedish wife, met in France, and two daughters born in the UK. In his free time, he likes to cook, practice martial arts, read philosophy books, play games, look at the stars, and learn as much as he can about everything that stimulates his curiosity. Dr. Militello, welcome to The Rational View. Thank you for having me. You, you've got a very busy uh, whiteboard in the background there. You, you're obviously uh, working very hard at, at, at making fusion happen. It's not just for decoration, but many people observe that this uh, whiteboard is actually quite busy. <laughs> I do use it. Your bio is very interesting. What kind of games do you like to play? Oh, uh, I really like board games. Uh, I'm quite excited also about uh, role play games. So there is, uh, an, I've got an inner child. Ah, just like me. I'm, I'm uh, very similar that way. Tell me, what? Why did you become interested in, in nuclear fusion? Well, I mean, the story is quite interesting. It's actually by chance because uh, uh, originally I studied in Italy, uh, in Turin, uh, as an aerospace engineer. Uh, I really wanted to uh, send things into space. Uh, but then, uh, during the course of my studies, I realized that I wanted to be a theoretical physicist. So I picked the, the uh, 
subject that was closest to theoretical physics uh, in my university, which was plasma physics. And I was very lucky to have a professor that was uh, 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 very interested in, in, in a fusion uh, and very well connected. And here I am. Uh, you must like, uh, have, you, have you ever seen the Big Bang Theory uh, television show? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, they got the physicists and the board games. It's very, <laughs> very similar, I think. <laughs> well, maybe I'm not that nerdy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Could you uh, introduce us a little bit to your group's approach to achieving nuclear fusion? What is what is masked you? Yes. So, first of all, uh, we need to understand that there are different paths to fusion. Uh, and the path that we're following here at UKEA is uh, the so-called magnetic fusion concept. And this consists uh, in creating uh, uh, magnetic bottles, so to speak, uh, that are um, uh, of the shape of a, of a donut, a torus in, in mathematical uh, uh, terms. Um, and within this bottle, uh, we try to uh, create uh, the conditions for fusion, uh, which are substantially extremely large temperatures. Uh, when uh, uh, the uh, fuel that we use, which is typically uh, isotopes of um, uh, of hydrogen, and with isotopes I mean atoms that have a different number of uh, 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 neutrons, but they are the same element, they are still hydrogen. So these, uh, these isotopes are colliding with each other when the temperature becomes very large. And these collisions eventually uh, lead to a number of uh, uh, reactions, fusion reactions, uh, that transform the hydrogen into helium. And by doing so, they release quite a lot of energy. Uh, the logic here is that this magnetic bottle can confine very well the plasma that is so hot that would uh, uh, immediately cool off uh, touching uh, any other uh, surf uh, a solid surface. Uh, um, so we contain it using these magnetic fields. Um, and, and, and this is uh, uh, one of the possible ways of doing fusion and at the moment is one of the most successful. So MAST is an acronym for Mega Ampere a spherical tokamak. So most, you know, many people may be familiar with the image of a tokamak as a toroidal uh, chamber, which compre com which compresses the plasma using magnetic fields. You have a spherical tokamak. So this is a, a kind of a, something that would be odd to most people. And they say, what is this? Why, why do you use a spherical tokamak? Well, this is actually just a geometry. It's nothing more complex than that. You can, if you can imagine a, a standard tokamak uh, as a donut, you can imagine a spherical tokamak uh, as an apple without its core. So it's still geometrically uh, uh, a torus. It just has a different, we call it aspect ratio. So it's a little bit more compact uh, than, than, than your standard donut. Uh, and it has a number of advantages. Uh, and the, the main one is the fact that we think that by using spherical tokamaks, uh, we can use uh, better the magnetic field uh, in the device. Uh, and that makes uh, uh, the, uh, the machine more economically convenient uh, and more compact, which is actually something quite important uh, when you're thinking of making fusion commercial. Because uh, the cost of uh, a future power plant uh, will be strongly related with um, the size of the power plant itself. The capital cost of a power plant uh, is the bulk of the cost of electricity, substantially, for, for, for a concept like fusion. 
Okay. So uh, I've recently chatted with the folks uh, at the U.S. National Ignition Facility who are doing laser fusion, maybe your competitors in, in, in a different sense. They, they've announced that they've achieved ignition. They've got, uh, they've equaled the energy that they put in uh, with, with the laser. Uh, where are you at in your uh, work and how cl- are you breaking even with your energy production? Yeah, okay. So reaching ignition is a slightly different concept. Uh, ignition is actually when uh, you do not need to put any external energy into the device in order to get fusion. Uh, what we really want to get at the moment is to reach uh, break even, which basically means uh, uh, receiving uh, from the fusion reactions as much energy as what, as what we put in the, uh, the device itself. Uh, uh, the record at the moment uh, is uh, uh, of, of the order of 0.67 uh, in terms of uh, the ratio between uh, power in and power out. Uh, and this was achieved at JET uh, in 1997. Uh, so it's been quite a while uh, ago. Um, and... Uh, that is the record, of course, for magnetic fusion devices. My understanding is that NIF uh, has a slightly higher number, but not significantly higher, around 0.7. Uh, now, one thing that we need to understand is that uh, uh, at the moment, we are not aiming with our experiment to go beyond that, and we cannot with the current devices. But ITER will go well beyond this value. This, this number, which we are citing now, is called the diffusion gain factor. Uh, and one corresponds fundamentally to uh, the, the amount of energy that we get out equal to the amount of energy that we put in. Uh, and ITER will reach Q equals to 10, so a, safety, uh, um, uh, a factor much larger than, uh, than, than what we can get from our experiments. And the reactor probably will have to go between 10 and 40. Mm-hmm. So, you you mentioned you mentioned ITER. Um, could you uh, tell us all what the ITER is? Yeah, ITER is uh, um, uh, a new uh, uh, experimental device being built at the moment in France, in southern France. Uh, it is a, a, a really uh, large experiment uh, that required the collaboration of a very large number of countries. Uh, it includes uh, um, fundamentally countries that represent two thirds of humanity, uh, and, and just because of that is quite challenging, but also quite exciting. It is a tokamak. It is a conventional tokamak, so it looks like a donut, not like uh, an apple without its core. It's not a spherical tokamak, uh, and uh, um, it, its its goal is fundamentally to prove for the first time uh, that we can co- we can go beyond. Uh, uh, um, uh, Q equals to one with Q corresponding to this uh, fusion gain factor that we can receive from the plasma more energy than what we put in and by a factor 10. Uh, it would be uh, uh, quite interesting because we would go uh, in regimes uh, where the plasma has never been. Um, and we are all quite excited about that. Uh, and the fact that it's an international collaboration and that the whole world unite, is united uh, around it uh, uh, is also quite inspirational, in my opinion. So your work at MAST is, is like a stepping stone towards this ITER challenge. Is, is that how you see your work? You're working towards this next big uh, fusion reactor? Partially. Let, let me elaborate a little bit uh, uh, on this question. In reality, the stepping stone is really JET, the other device that we host here in, in the UK. Uh, and, and JET is... Um, uh, a standard tokamak, eh? uh, 
that uh, um, has produced record, uh, uh, the record uh, fusion energy uh, just last year. And as we were saying earlier, also the highest uh, uh, performance in terms of uh, uh, fusion gain uh, in 1997. Uh, and, and, and that is very, very similar to uh, ITER in terms of uh, uh, internal uh, uh, plasma facing components. So the, the, the parts of the device that are uh, um, facing the plasma. Uh, and by design, we did that by design. It has also uh, a lot of other features that are compatible with ITER, apart from the size. Uh, it, is, it is much smaller. Uh, just to give you an idea, ITER is going to have uh, uh, a linear size of the order of six, six meters. This torus is going to be six meters in, uh, in, in radius. Uh, JET is only three, so it's roughly half of that size. And also the volume uh, uh, where the plasma is going to be contained is much smaller jet than a ITER. ITER is going to be 800 meter cubes, cubed, while jet is going to be is 100 meter cubed, so it's a factor eight. So apart from the size uh, and uh, uh, also partially the power that we're going to inject in the in the in, in ITER, uh, the two devices have a lot of similarities. Uh, although uh, ITER is definitely one order of magnitude more complex, all the systems that are required to make a machine this big. Uh, uh, um, are really much more complex than the current experiments that we have at the moment. So STEP is really the nearest neighbor to ITER. Um, and it can also use uh, uh, the same fuel that ITER will use, which is deuterium and tritium. Uh, MAST uh, has a, a different goal. Uh, at the moment, we do not really have power plant prototypes in the community. We have experiments, experimental devices. And each experimental device uh, has to address a certain physics problem. Now, uh, must upgrade uh, is designed to address a specific problem, which is uh, uh, understanding uh, uh, how to handle the um, power uh, that the fusion uh, uh, reactions will generate inside the plasma uh, and make sure that uh, uh, um, uh, they can be exhausted from the device in a safe, uh, in a safe way. Uh, also, MAST has uh, uh, this different uh, uh, geometrical design, uh, and it is, if you want, a test uh, for potential spherical uh, prototype uh, power plants. So it's not going to go exactly in the same direction as ITER, but it can still give some useful information for ITER. But you have to imagine all the different fusion experiments at the moment as different tools. And we have in the community a toolbox, and we need to pick different ones to address specific problems. And while JET is the closest to ITER, we still need many other devices to address the problems that will be very relevant for future, for future power plants. It's been said um, many times by various pundits looking at fusion energy that fusion uh, practically is always 20 years behind away, and they've been saying this for over 50 years now. Um, are we making progress towards a goal? How, where do you see the end line lying? Is ITER, is ITER going to be the, the, the time when we demonstrate that we can make practical fusion energy a, a reality? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was sure that you would ask this question. So there is a, a pretty elaborate answer to this, uh, to this question. First of all, I would like to cite uh, a very famous uh, Russian scientist uh, that was asked the same question probably in the 70s, uh, Levas Arismovich, and he was uh, one of the fathers of, uh, of the tokamak concept that we're using in our research. And what he basically said was that uh, fusion will arrive when the society will need it. Uh, and and uh, 
probably we need to uh, uh, have a fusion now, considering uh, uh, the climate crisis and and also uh, the current situation with uh, fossil fuels. Um, so I think that uh, it's also a request from the society that we make fusion happen. It's not only about uh, the, the technical uh, advances that, that you're doing, but the technical uh, progress is significant. Uh, there is a parameter that um, uh, uh, can measure, one of many, but one, a significant one, that can measure the progress that we're doing. And this is called the confinement time. This is fundamentally uh, the time it takes for the plasma to cool down, uh, if it's left without uh, any heating source. So uh, uh, typically in order to, to keep the plasma hot and generate the fusion reactions, we have to heat the plasma up. So if we let, let it cool, it cool down without any external uh, source of heating, uh, it will take a certain amount of time for it to cool down. Uh, and that is the confinement time. It's called confinement time. Uh, the longer this confinement time, uh, the more efficient uh, uh, and the closer we will be to uh, a, a working uh, fusion power plant. Uh, and, and, and this quantity has followed for many years the Moore, Moore's law, the same law that uh, the uh, uh, computers are following. Uh, so there, there's been a significant progress in this, in this respect. Uh, what we now need really to tackle are the technological problems. We still have a, a little way to go for the physics, uh, uh, but we're getting there, and ITER definitely will be the first demonstrator of uh, uh, the feasibility of, uh, of, uh, of fusion as an energy source. Uh, and JET has already done quite a lot in this respect. Uh, but after that, we need to... Uh, and we're already actually working hard on the technology. We need to make sure that uh, we have an efficient uh, power plant, not only a power plant that is producing fusion. And that is, to a large extent, also a technological uh, uh, challenge. But we are already working on that systematically. You say MAST is, is looking at how to handle the power uh, of the fusion generator. How do, you, how do you capture the energy of fusion and turn it into practical electricity, for example? Yes. Let me explain also my previous statement. Whenever there is a fusion reaction based on the deuterium and tritium, um, you end up having 80% of the energy contained in a neutron that is released, uh, and it's a very energetic neutron. And capturing the energy of this neutron is what will then produce electricity. But 20% of the energy uh, produced in the fusion reactions uh, is released as alpha particles. Alpha particles are simply uh, uh, nuclei of, uh, uh, of helium. Uh, and, and they contain quite a lot of energy, which remains in the plasma, which is good because uh, uh, it keeps the plasma hot. So we need a little bit less external heating that, that needs to uh, uh, be uh, powered by electricity. Uh, so having these alpha particles is good. But at the same time, a part of this energy will go towards the internal part of the device that is facing the plasma. Uh, and, and just to give you an idea, the heat fluxes, the energy fluxes that this is a part of the machine we receive uh, are a factor uh, 1,000 higher uh, then the heat flux is that the shuttle re-entering the atmosphere was receiving. Uh, so they are incredibly large uh, uh, energy fluxes. Uh, but we are designing the device in such a way that these heat fluxes can be accommodated. 
But your question was, how do we extract electricity out of it? Well, we extract it by having these neutrons uh, that are neutral particles, so they are not affected by the magnetic field, uh, flying out of the device, so they are not confined by the magnetic, bo- by the magnetic bottle like the fuel is, uh, and they are captured uh, by structures that we call blankets. Now, these blankets uh, have uh, uh, two purposes, fundamentally. One is uh, to receive the energy of the neutrons, uh, uh, and fundamentally, uh, heat up, uh, and then there is a heat, heat exchanger uh, where uh, typically a working fluid, uh, uh, where working fluid is flowing through, could be water, uh, and, and and then we produce a steam uh, like in a standard uh, uh, power plant where you can burn coal or or uh, um, uh, or oil or gas. Uh, and then there is a turbine that is basically producing the electricity. So the key is to capture the energy of the neutron and to boil water, fundamentally. The second uh, uh, thing that the blankets are doing uh, is uh, to breed the tritium. Uh, tritium is uh, uh, a substance, uh, uh, an element, uh, that uh, uh, decays uh, um, after 12 years. So it's not present in nature. We have to uh, uh, generate it. Uh, and the neutrons that will arrive in uh, in uh, in the blankets uh, are fundamentally breaking uh, uh, lithium uh, um, uh, lithium particles uh, and transforming it into tritium that we then recirculate in the device uh, and put inside of the plasma as a fuel. So that's how it works. Interesting. Very interesting. So Quite complex, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, neutrons are obviously very difficult to 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 stop because they, they have no charge. They just kind of go through everything. Um, and they're not neutrinos, but, <clears throat> uh, so you, you have these heavy blankets that, uh, have lots of stuff in them and they just kind of jostle about and heat up. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So yes. you said, you kind of mentioned that you think we're at the point where most of the physical, most of the physics problems have been tackled and we're looking at more of an engineering uh, development to get to practical fusion. Do you see any showstoppers in the way between practical, where you are now and practical fusion? Like what physics, is there any physics that lies in the way or is it, is it just let's build it and make it efficient? Uh, no, uh, of course we are not yet there also in terms of physics. So we still need to understand a few things, but we have confidence that we can do that. And the recent experiments at JET uh, have increased our confidence uh, substantially because we know that uh, uh, the only um, uh, device that will be power plant relevant is a power plant. So the the, the physics that uh, we will have in the power plant will be in a certain extent, to a certain extent unique, but we can predict it. Uh, We have tools uh, to predict in advance uh, uh, how the plasma will behave uh, inside the power plant. And for example, for a, a jet, uh, we tried to uh, uh, simulate uh, with numerical codes uh, uh, the behavior of the plasma in advance uh, before the experiments. Uh, and those uh, uh, predictions were then confirmed by the experiments themselves. And something uh, uh, is happening also, in, uh, similar is happening also for mass upgrade, where we predict a reduction of the energy density fluxes in our uh, uh, device uh, towards the plasma facing components. And this is actually happening uh, quantitatively as we, as we predicted. So we think that there are still uh, uh, unknowns in the physics uh, 
um, in terms of uh, the practical realization in our current devices. But we think that we can bridge the gap with our uh, uh, numerical tools and with our theories and with our modeling. Uh, it will still take uh, uh, effort and we still need to validate and make sure that these tools are fit for purpose. But we do have confidence that this can happen. Uh, in general, I think that achieving fusion will require three things. Uh, continuing doing experiments in, in, in devices like, like Jet uh, and in future like Ether, uh, because having uh, asking uh, Mother Nature uh, whether our questions are answered the way we think is essential. Uh, we will also have to have uh, uh, um, a, a, a very good numerical tools and modeling tools. So there is a very strong role for theory and modeling. And finally, we need to have uh, people that have uh, experience on how to operate these devices. Uh, it is crucial that, that, that we maintain expertise uh, on how to operate fusion devices because uh, there is a lot of ingenuity going on and invention. Uh, 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 it, it's a little bit like driving a car. Uh, you need to have good pilots. Uh, and, 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 and this is a capability that we need to maintain. Uh, so it is not only about the physics itself, it's also about having the, 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 the right people uh, able to, to, to respond to, to things that perhaps are not completely well understood. And like how difficult, I mean, obviously m containing a plasma that's, you know, hotter than the core of the sun is, seems, seems a difficult thing on the face of it. How, how difficult... Uh, what tricks do you use to keep that in there? I, I imagine it's like stuffing an octopus into a mesh bag. <laughs> it's a good analogy. Um, yeah, in reality, the, the, the plasma sometimes, especially for the physicist, does appear like uh, a living thing uh, that is reacting to what we're doing, that is changing also sometimes uh, depending on, on, on its own will. We, we control it, obviously, so it's not like... Uh, 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 the plasma misbehaves uh, systematically. We, we know how to treat it. Uh, let, let's put it this way. Uh, but what, what do we do to, to, to uh, maintain it where, where we want it to be? Well, the, the magnetic fusion concept is based on the fact that uh, the plasma, uh, which is fundamentally uh, uh, elect free electrons and free nuclei of uh, uh, um, hydrogen, typically, uh, are electrical particles. So they have a charge. Uh, having a charge, uh, they respond to electromagnetic forces. Uh, and by creating a very intense magnetic field, uh, and it is very intense uh, in our devices, uh, we force the trajectories of these particles uh, to follow certain uh, uh, paths which are well contained within the device. So we make sure that using electromagnetic forces, uh, the individual uh, particles that that, that make the plasma, and which is our fuel, follow lines that we want them to follow. Um, that is never perfect because obviously this is a, a thermodynamic system and there will be always losses. And it's a fact of nature. There is nothing we can do about that. Uh, but our effort is to control that as much as we can. And in particular, to make sure that uh, the mechanisms that are uh, reducing uh, the confinement time that we were discussing earlier, uh, which are typically turbulent uh, uh, mechanisms. So there is turbulence in the plasma that is uh, removing its energy quite efficiently. 
so reducing this turbulence is one of the, of the things that we try to do. And uh, uh, by doing that, we, we, we will ensure that the confinement of the plasma is, uh, is better. So how do we, how do we improve this? There is a lot of modeling going on, a lot of physical understanding on how we can make sure that the plasma behaves the, wo- the way we, we want. Um, it's definitely not trivial because uh, uh, sometimes it really feels like a human body with many different uh, internal organs that are behaving in synergy and in completely different ways. So there are many phenomena that are going on in the plasma. Uh, and we needed to tackle them all in a synergetic way, in an integrated way, in order to make sure that we can have... Um, a package that then is efficient, uh, and and that is is probably contained. Uh, uh, but broadly speaking, we are also actively monitoring what is going on in the plasma, uh, uh, and we are also acting on the plasma itself uh, by changing, for example, the magnetic fields, by changing how much fuel we inject in the plasma, by changing how much uh, power we inject in the plasma, and by adapting like that, uh, we control actively the plasma itself. Uh, you might have heard that now uh, a number of uh, uh, research groups are also trying to apply artificial intelligence uh, to this kind of control. Uh, so if you want, yeah, if you want, it's always a mix of uh, designing the plasma in such a way that we can uh, optimize its behavior and then actively controlling it during the operations that we have when we do the, the actual experiments. And we do the same also for reactors, for plants. So you mentioned that the confinement time is is increasing by Moore's law, what what's, what confinement time are you achieving right now? How long can you keep it? Well, the, the confinement the confinement time in jet for the record breaking experiment was of the order of half a sec, uh, of half a second, roughly, um, and 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 that's fine. That's uh, that's uh, something that is already uh, uh, this parameter is already sufficient to give a, a pretty decent uh, uh, a pretty decent performance. Um, we aim, of course, to improve that always. Uh, the better, the, the, the larger this number, the better is going to be the, the, the fusion performance. Uh, it's part of this fusion triple product that uh, is also used to understand the quality of, uh, uh, of, of fusion. The density times the temperatures times the confinement um, uh, time uh, and, and uh, magnetic fusion is focusing especially on the confinement time. It's the difference between uh, uh, inertial fusion and magnetic fusion. They have a very, very, very tiny confinement times orders of magnitude lower than ours, uh, but they have very large density and temperatures. Uh, we have equally large temperatures but much lower densities, uh, and we we make this up by having a larger confinement time. Yeah, definitely. Many orders of magnitude. I think they were saying they're like, you know, picoseconds of, of ignition time. Correct. Whereas you have Correct. half a second. So, you know, 12 orders of magnitude between friends. <laughs> yeah, but you see, the, differ- the difference here is that uh, uh, the pressure in, in, uh, in inertial fusion is very, very large, uh, much larger than the pressure in, 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 inside the sun. Uh, our pressure is basically uh, uh, one atmosphere. Uh, we, we do not have high pressures inside the device. The temperature is very high, but the density is very low. So the pressure is fundamentally the same pressure as, uh, as you know, the environment. I, I just want to get a feel for it. Now, you know, obviously this is a relatively safe way to make energy, uh, but people might be afraid when you say well, you're, you're making temperatures like the core of the sun in this in the system. What happens if you lose confinement? Does it vaporize the <laughs> facility or, or, you know, what... Or no, is this something really. that nobody worries about? 
No, I, I think that a good analogy for what a fusion power plant will be and what the experiments are now is uh, uh, like a match in a storm. We are, we are basically trying to uh, keep a match uh, uh, lit up in, 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 a, in a storm. It's really difficult and it's very easy to... Uh, 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 to have the fire going, uh, uh, you know, disappearing very quickly. So actually, we are really struggling to keep the temperature as high as we need it. Uh, as soon as we uh, take away the external energy that we inject actively in the device, uh, the temperature goes down very rapidly. It, it is a, a, a very uh, safe way of handling the 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 the, the plasma itself because uh, uh, we can control how to. Uh, uh, terminate the discharges. It's not as simple as a, as a, as a, uh, as I'm telling you, but uh, in general, uh, uh, fusion is intrinsically safe in this respect. What can happen is that uh, uh, localized events, uh, uncontrolled events, uh, uh, in our experimental devices, but not in future power plants. We are actively working to not have this in, in power plants. Might melt part of the of the of the device uh, internally. Uh, and this can lead to the device stopping to work, and then significant uh, repairs would need to be to be done. Uh, but part of the fusion program, the research program, is to avoid these actively. And must upgrade is an example of why we are of, of how we're doing that. Uh, it is uh, something that uh, the fusion community is actively investigating, and we do have solutions that we think would be viable for power plants. Very cool. So. There seems to be these two very different approaches to getting fusion uh, at the core of most of the physical uh, work being done in labs these days, the the, the National Ignition uh, Facility and the, the Tokamak approach, you know, two huge teams, very well funded. Um, can you give me a, a trade-off of the pros and cons of the two approaches? Why is, why do you think, do you think Tokamak is better for commercial approaches or do you have an opinion on which is the best approach? Well, earlier you were saying that they were our competitors. I don't, I don't think that there are competitors in this field. We are all working uh, uh, for, for the same goal, which is uh, actually a very noble goal of, of achieving fusion. So um, I think that at the moment, nobody has bragging rights uh, and nobody can say this is going to be definitely the solution that, uh, that we're going to have. Let me give you um, an analogy, if you want. Uh, uh, 150 years ago, people were still looking, uh, even more than that, we're still looking at, at the sky and we're seeing birds flying and we're saying, okay, we want to do that as well. Uh, exactly like we see the, the, the sun in the sky and we think, yeah, we want to do the, the we want to get the same uh, uh, physics uh, on Earth. Uh, and, 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 and the first attempts of flying uh, were air balloons uh, and then uh, zeppelins and then airplanes. There were many different uh, potential solutions uh, to the same problem. And, and I think that also fusion might, uh, 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 might be the same. We might end up with many different uh, uh, um, uh, approaches that might be equally viable. And at the moment, it's a bit too early to assess which one will be the winning one. And even the one that perhaps we will push forward first uh, might not be the one that our... Uh, 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 grand-grandchildren uh, will see in the future. Uh, exactly like we do not see air balloons flying in our skies. Uh, uh, so let me tell you a little bit about the differences between uh, between uh, 
the two approaches. Um, uh, as I was telling you earlier, in terms of physics, uh, the difference is that uh, they want to have very large pressures uh, and they don't need to have very large confinement times. Well, we do exactly the opposite. And this drives uh, uh, the way we, uh, we, we design our, our experiments. Uh, we want to have a very efficient magnetic bottles. They want to have a very large bursts of, of pressure. Uh, and, and this is what makes the difference between the, 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 two, the two schemes. But there are similarities as well. I was telling you earlier about the turbulence in the, in the, in the tokamak, that is uh, in the plasma, that is uh, fundamentally removing very efficiently the energy in the, in the, in the plasma itself and cooling it down. Uh, also, the inertial fusion community has a similar problems. When uh, 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 they generate these very large pressures, uh, well, uh, Mother Nature doesn't like that. It doesn't like gradients. And, and this drives instabilities, which in a tokamak become turbulence. Uh, and in in, um, uh, in inertial confinement concept, uh, uh, they can generate a loss of efficiency. Uh, so this is in terms of physics. In terms of technology, uh, both concepts use very large, uh, they're big science. They require very large hardware to be delivered. Uh, uh, inertial fusion requires very large lasers. And we do need uh, uh, very large uh, magnetic, uh, uh, magnetic coils. Um, uh, for them, the challenge probably is to make sure that uh, uh, the targets they are using are properly positioned and there is a repetition of uh, uh, these reactions that is uh, uh, um, uh, that is viable from a commercial point of view. Um, for us, uh, instead, uh, is understanding how we can minimize uh, the uh, size of, uh, of a device uh, and make it uh, uh, commercially viable. Uh, 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 these coils uh, are massive. Uh, if you think about uh, uh, the heater coils, uh, um, they have uh, uh, superconductive uh, uh, strands uh, of uh, a material that is called niobium uh, 13, and they are uh, 100,000 kilometers long. You could wrap the, the, uh, the equator twice uh, with all the strands that you have in the heater coils. So just to give you an idea of the magnitude of, of, of this. Uh, uh, so the, the, the more compact and, and the simpler the device is, the better. Um, and and we, we are still trying to find solutions for that. Yeah, I know the, the, the uh, ignition facility, the lasers, like the hundreds of extremely high power, high cost lasers that they need to put together. It, it seems like a daunting uh, task to build a, an operational system out of that. Um, personally, I think that the Tokamak is a simpler approach in terms of the technology uh, that's involved in, in, in putting it together and making it work. Um, so you're saying that you're using uh, superconducting wire for your coils. There's also, uh, I think, some people that are looking at uh, going to permanent magnets. There's a lot of uh, high-quality uh, rare earths coming out. That, that Is there any particular breakthrough that's that's uh, helped the most. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about which technologies breakthroughs have 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 pushed us f further the most in in uh, the tokamak approach? Well, I think that uh, uh, if you're talking about uh, uh, coils, uh, uh, at the moment not all the coils are actually superconducting. Uh, 
uh, jet uh, has copper coils, and this is one of the reasons why we could not extend the duration of the record discharges for longer than five seconds. Uh, but new devices are typically being built with superconducting coils, uh, like like ITER. Uh, uh, and and having the, and, and this is, uh, if you want, a signi- it has a significant impact on the economy of uh, of. Uh, uh, of a power plant, uh, because it, it really allows us to have much longer discharges, uh, much longer uh, uh, plasma uh, um, sustained sustained plasmas, uh, um, and, and 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 this for us is really is really crucial. Um, I think that development of uh, 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 strong magnets uh, that can uh, uh, lead to um, magnetic fields of the order of twenty tesla, uh, uh, it, it is going to be. Uh, uh, quite important for for the field, and there are recent breakthroughs uh, also from private companies, for example, uh, in the U.S. that have demonstrated uh, 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 real size coils for for smaller experiments, but but still uh, uh, coils that can reach uh, this level of of uh, uh, of, of magnetic field. Uh, the larger, in general, the better uh, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of fusion confinement. Um, so this is this is one technological tool. I, 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 I am fundamentally focused on on the coils, but if you want, I can tell you also a little bit more about other breakthroughs that I think will be needed. Uh, one of them, for example, sure, yeah. How we, yeah, one of them is on how we heat up the plasma efficiently. Uh, we, as I was saying earlier, uh, the 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 plasma would uh, cool down very rapidly if we were not uh, heating it continuously. Uh, and we would not create the the, the, the conditions for fusion. Uh, one thing that we are looking at at the moment is how to do this in the most efficient way. Uh, there are a number of technologies that are available uh, in, in our experiments at the moment, uh, and they're pretty simple to explain. Uh, one of them is called neutral beam injection, and it's fundamentally based on the fact that we have particle accelerators that are launching very energetic neutral particles in the plasma, and fundamentally by friction, uh, they are heating the plasma. Uh, these are maybe not the right solution for uh, power plants because they are extremely complex, they are extremely expensive, uh, and they uh, make the design of the uh, power plants a little bit more complicated. We also have uh, uh, so-called resonant frequency heating, uh, which is fundamentally very similar to what happens in a microwave oven, in a standard microwave oven. We have uh, big antennas that are launching electromagnetic waves uh, that resonate a certain uh, spatial frequencies uh, in the plasma, uh, and they heat it up. Uh, and we think that uh, 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 strong uh, resonant frequency heating uh, in the future could, could really make a big difference in how uh, uh, the plasma will behave and in the efficiency of the of the reactions. It is something that we are actively studying. You mentioned briefly uh, on a commercial group in the U.S. that there are a number of commercial groups around the world uh, who are raising literally billions of dollars to build commercial fusion generators um, with great um, fanfare and great announcements. Um, <clears throat> would you invest your money in any of them? <laughs> Um, well, I think that these commercial companies uh, um, are extremely interesting. Let, let me go back in time for, for a second. In the 1960s, uh, we had uh, uh, a lot of ideas on how to develop fusion. Uh, and 
And then there was also a graveyard of uh, ideas that actually did not work. And it's still out there. Uh, but that time was very exciting. Then in the late 60s, uh, the tokamak concept became a little bit more prominent, uh, given the results that the Russians uh, achieved in their T3 tokamak. Uh, and, and then the tokamak became a little bit more mainstream as a concept. I feel like these private companies are now injecting new ideas uh, in the community, some of which are not really mature, some others are more mature, but still uh, the uh, fact that we have re-injected vitality and, and energy in the, in, the, in, the, in the sector is absolutely positive. I do not know whether these, these companies will succeed or not, uh, but as I was saying earlier, I don't think that anybody has at the moment brag- bragging rights on Fusion. Um, of course, uh, uh, there are concepts that are more mature. The Tokamak concept is... Um, uh, uh, been tested now for decades and is the one that has produced probably the best results. But at the same time, uh, I do not exclude that we might have different approaches uh, uh, out there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually quite excited about the, the the fact that these companies are out there. Mm. Which is your favorite? Oh, I don't think that I'm in a position uh, to answer this. I mean, I, I could. <laughs> I, I do. I do have answered. I've answered in my mind, but I cannot really tell you. I think that my position does not allow me to do that. <laughs> I think. I think. I think that I'm quite excited about a number of them. Uh, they have good idea, good people, uh, and, uh, and 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 I think that they can really help Fusion uh, move forward. You know, you you are kind of have your finger on the pulse. Uh, and really it is at the time where society does need fusion power. So going back to your quote from the Russian physicist, we, we do need it now. How long, how long is it? Like what, what's, what's the time frame? if you're a betting man to, to say that we're going to see our first commercial fusion reactor, uh, go into, go into service? Yes. Okay. So generally speaking, uh, uh, in the community at the moment, there are two approaches, uh, which include both private companies and national laboratories. Uh, there is an approach that I would define evidence-based and another one that is uh, uh, schedule-based. Uh, so evidence-based path to fusion is fundamentally trying to use uh, uh, the current knowledge that we have, uh, that we have um, uh, uh, acquired in our experimental devices over the course of many decades, uh, and, and try to project it forward uh, with relatively safe technologies, and we are relatively safe uh, uh, and safer from uh, uh, not 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 from uh, a risk point of view. Nothing is going to explode. It's it's about the uh, uh, possibility of these uh, uh, technologies to actually work reliably. Uh, and with our uh, current physical understanding, um, this approach is followed by a number of of, of uh, laboratories, uh, and it might lead to fusion uh, perhaps in the 2050s, uh, uh, the first prototype power plant in the 2050s, second half of the century. This is what, uh, for example, the Eurofusion roadmap, Eurofusion is a big uh, organization in Europe for fusion, of national laboratories, it says the second half of the twenty of, of, of the century, uh, with a deployment on larger scale, uh, perhaps towards the end of the of the century. Uh, there are then also uh, schedule-driven approaches uh, that are a little bit more um, ambitious and adventurous, uh, trying to uh, perhaps bet on uh, technologies and uh, and and on physics that we uh, um, 
that are not as mature, uh, but where we have at least some confidence they might work. Uh, and they have a slightly faster pace uh, that is um, substantially aiming at having prototype power plants around the 2040s. Uh, give or take, um, and this includes also uh, what we are doing here in uh, in in the UK with our uh, step program, uh, the design of uh, a spherical uh, power plant uh, that should start operations uh, around the 2040s. Uh, one thing that I want to uh, to say very clearly is that uh, I'm not sure how much uh, fusion can contribute to the climate crisis now, uh, but there is a very important thing to understand. Uh, if we want to achieve uh, net zero uh, um, as soon as possible, we will need to ask mankind to do significant sacrifices. It's not only about um, uh, uh, reducing our emissions. Uh, and, and, and I don't think it's sustainable to ask that these sacrifices will be maintained forever. So fusion can be the solution that can allow us to move away from this sacrifice could be the sustainable solution for the future, um, and 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 definitely in, if we can in the in the in the second half of the century deploy a significant fleet of uh, power plants, it will make a difference. My expectation is that we might have of the order of ten percent of uh, uh, the, the the world fusion energy production uh, uh, based on fusion um, uh, towards the end of the century, but that doesn't. Maybe it doesn't seem large, but it's basically the whole Europe, if you're thinking about that. Uh, but the energy market is also going to be a question mark. It's very difficult to make prediction in this area. Yes, yes. Things are changing and we're in a state of flux at the point uh, that we're at. Yeah, we're always definitely hoping for a breakthrough, but uh, a power plant is a complex object. It will need time to be developed. But one thing that is uh, making me confident is that now in the community, we do have a lot of attention on how to design and build a power plant. And, and we are thinking very carefully about that. We are thinking about what is needed, which kind of supply chain we will need, uh, how to technologically engage uh, companies so that when we will be ready, uh, uh, we will be able to deliver that as quickly as possible. That, that definitely is an argument for commercialization to move into industry from the, from the laboratory setting. Because you know, when you go from the uh, physics problems to the engineering problems, uh, then you need capital and uh, you need speed, I think. Most definitely. When uh, you move to commercialization, you need uh, partners uh, that are industrial partners. Uh, because deploying uh, to uh, the scale we would like to deploy fusion uh, requires people that have built things uh, that are extremely large and extremely complex. And we have in the community, but a level of, of experiments. We need industrial capability as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So this has been very helpful. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and telling us all about your, your work in fusion and in mast U experiment. Uh, so thank you, Fulvio, for, for coming on The Rational View. For coming on, I'm going to send you one of these T-shirts uh, so that you can... Uh, show off to your friends. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very high prestige to be on, on the rational view. <laughs> Before we go, I have one, one last question for you. Uh, so are you a player or a dungeon master? <laughs> uh, it depends. I prefer dungeon master. 
I, I thought so with the with the management uh, hat there. You have to control. <laughs> yeah, you got me. <laughs> thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Very good. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my Patreon page at patreon.podbean.com slash The Rational View. Thanks for listening.